0: Hi, this is Jason Cascarino. Welcome to the third season of the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, a production of the Remaking Middle School Initiative. You can learn about Remaking Middle School on the web at remakingmiddleschool.org. Now, here's this episode. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Adolescence podcast, where we explore the many facets that impact young adolescents in the middle school years, from the adverse, to the awkward, to the awesome. I'm your host, Jason Cascarino. Today, we have part one of my conversation with Alex Usher and Alex Seeskin from the University of Chicago. Alex Usher is Associate Director for Data Research at the University of Chicago's Two and Through Project and Senior Research Analyst for the UChicago Consortium on School Research. Alex Seeskin is Director of the Two and Through Project, which is housed at the UChicago Urban Education Institute. UChicago's Consortium on School Research and the Two and Through Project have been at the forefront of research into data that can determine whether students in elementary, middle, and high school are on track for on-time graduation and successfully transitioning into post-secondary options.
1: You know, we like to say on track is not determinative. Like you can, something that high schools, and in this case, elementary schools can change. It's something that's malleable. And when schools gather and organize around passing classes, around attendance, around GPA, and around other questions of Student experience and student voice and inclusivity—they they can have an impact on these early warning indicators and on the fundamental experiences of students in schools. And those things then later on in students' uh, trajectories have impacts on outcomes.
0: Here in part one of our conversation, Alex Usher, Alex Ciszkin, and I talk about the Two and Through Project and its unique partnership with Chicago Public Schools to access and analyze student data, to understand performance, achievement, and the educational experience. We talk about the underlying research behind on-track and early warning indicators, and a new report from the University of Chicago that offers a research-based tool for middle grades educators to group students according to the key factors that influence their long-term educational trajectories. Then in part two of our conversation, we will talk more about the new report, about the power of on-track indicators to show real-time trajectories of students, about the most critical thresholds in student grades and attendance that drive those trajectories, and about how educators can use these data to influence big-picture, school-wide educational issues, as well as interventions for individual students or specific groups of students. We will also address some new research interests for the middle grades on the horizon. Part 2 will be released next week. Now. Here's part one of my conversation with Alex Usher and Alex Seaskin. Alex Usher, Alex Seaskin, it's fun to have you both here. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us, Jason. Uh, yeah, we're... excited to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan, as you know, of the work of the Two and Through Project at the University of Chicago. In my consulting work, I use your data tools very frequently. In fact, just last week, I was capturing some post-secondary enrollment persistence and completion data for a handful of Chicago high schools. It's just a really terrific resource, and I'm eager to talk about that and dive deep into the related middle school works. Um, but before we do, uh, let's learn a little bit about the two of you. Alex Usher, why, why don't we start it's funny my my guests on the previous episode of this podcast and i shared something in common which was that we were both fulbright fellows and i saw that you too were engaged in the fulbright program as a while back as a teacher and the other thing you and i have in common is that we both started out in international affairs and made the jump to education so do you want to share some of your story on how you got to do what you're doing now
2: yeah so i um also thought that I wanted to work in international affairs and got my undergrad degree in that in, um, I went to GW in Washington DC and figured out maybe halfway through college that I didn't want to live abroad and I didn't really want to do international affairs, but was really interested in politics and all the stuff going on in DC did a bunch of internships related to politics and really didn't like any of them and couldn't figure out where the disconnect was. And eventually realized that what I like is policy more than politics and that there are two kind of different beasts, but, After college, yeah, I got a Fulbright to go to um, Germany and teach English for a year. So I lived in Nuremberg and taught English in their education system set up a little bit differently, but basically a high school in Germany. And that was just a really cool experience for a lot of reasons. But the students are so interested in America and how things work here. And they had a million questions about how our school system works and how... why things are the way they are, and it made me really reflect on some of those questions and realize that I was really interested in education policy. So when I moved back to DC, I got my first job in at a small um, nonpartisan nonprofit research group that was looking at sort of how federal education legislation plays out in the different states, the state level and really liked that. It was a great intro to the field, but wanted to be back in Chicago, wanted to get my graduate degree so I could keep advancing in my career. So I came back and went to University of Chicago for public policy. And that's where I really got into the data side of things. Um, if you know anything about USC, you know they love their quantitative data and their numbers and their formulas and algorithms. So that was sort of my intro to the data and research world in terms of education. And after that, the big question was kind of, well, you're in Chicago and you're interested in education, do you work for CPS? And I got advice that I agreed with, which was if you want to understand, you know, how things work in Chicago in education, you need to understand CPS. So I went and worked at the district at central office doing basically data analysis in the attendance office for a couple of years. And then eventually worked for one of the networks and helped about 30 schools across the city use data strategically, understand data and research, and try to help everybody at the school level both improve their practice, but just make their practice easier. There's way too much on people's plates, at the practitioners at schools. And so if we can use data to make their days a little bit easier, that was sort of my mission. And then after that, I came to two and Through, and I was really drawn to the sort of one foot in the research world, one foot in the practice and data tools world that we're able to straddle it to and through, and that's what I really love about my current role.
0: Alex it looks like you started out as a teacher for a time. You made the move to Urban Education Institute at UChicago eight or nine years ago. What might you like to share about your journey from the classroom to making a difference in the way you are now?
1: Yeah, so I I was coming out of college. I, I knew I wanted to teach. I had tutored a bunch in college and just loved being around kids. I loved literature and writing and everything around that. It was my dream to be a high school English teacher, and um, to be able to do that when you're 23 is 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 pretty neat, and it's a lot of responsibility, but also a lot of fun. And so, I taught for eight years, mostly in CPS, in all in high school, and tried to do units with students that, um, as much as you know, I could, were connected to their lives, culturally responsive, and project based. And during the last few years of my teaching, I became involved with the Chicago Teachers Union and much more interested in policy and was part of negotiations over the 2012 contract, in particular, the pieces around teacher evaluation. And just loved that and went back to graduate school. And uh, coming out of graduate school, I did a fellowship here at the University of Chicago. And been here ever since, and have been leading the two and through project for the past eight years. It's a, a great job, because I get to work with a small, although growing team of amazing, um,
0: incredible, brilliant people like Alex every day.: Well, that's a good place to start. Maybe you can give us a bit of a primer on the two and through project, how it got started, what it is that you all do. Let's start there. Sure. So
1: the 2 and 3 project has its roots in work that was happening in 2000, sort of the beginning of the 2010s, here at the consortium and at the Network for College Success. Those are both well established organizations here at the University of Chicago. The Chicago Consortium does research on Chicago public schools, and the Network for College Success is a network of 17, 18 high schools uh, that work really, really closely to improve educational outcomes. And they kind of together identified this need for uh, almost like data infrastructure is maybe the best way to turn to, to it. Some way for themselves, but also like the city of Chicago to have access to uh, high quality, valid, reliable, timely data on where students were as they moved through these, you know, critical education milestones that w- the consortium had identified. And that led in 2014 to the creation of the Two and Through Project and to the creation of what's uh, always kind of been our flagship tool, which is our kind of publicly available called our Milestones Tool, which has data for every high school, every community area, and now every elementary school. In Chicago, for example, for an elementary school, you can say, when students leave that elementary school, how many of them are uh, on track during their freshman year? What high schools are they going to? You know, how many of them are uh, are enrolling in college? And so it's that type of work, that type of data, that's kind of been our bread and butter for a number of years. Along the way, though, I think we've recognized the limitations, and so um, we've branched out and done more work. About three years ago, we launched the middle gr- to and through middle grades network which now is a group of 14 elementary and middle schools that are working together to improve student experiences for middle school students here in Chicago, kind of modeled after the Network for College Success and their work in high schools. And increasingly, we're doing a lot of work around qualitative data with our 14 middle schools. but. Also with student stories, uh, student profiles that, that we're writing, and um, now most recently uh, this year we're doing a lot of work around case studies to try to understand what are the sort of key problems and sticky situations that schools are grappling with. So all of those are, are kind of part of our, of our work, but you know today we're really talking about the identification of an early warning indicator system and how to put that to
0: use inside of elementary schools and, and middle schools. And Alex Usher on the quantitative work and the access to data that Alex was talking about, you all have a partnership with Chicago Public Schools that might seem like much of our, to much of our audience, like a luxury. Maybe just say a few words about how the process works for getting this data and ultimately making sense of it for the benefit of the Chicago education community.
2: It is a luxury, and we're really lucky to have. The access to all of this data. Everyone on the two and through team who works with the data and research is also an employee of the U Chicago Consortium on Schools Research, which is older and larger organization that exists at the University of Chicago. It's a more traditional research practice partnership, meaning that it has a close partnership with the school district. And so, Chicago Public Schools and the U Chicago Consortium have a data sharing agreement where the consortium is able to access. For the purposes of research, for sort of the betterment and forming of the wider, both CPS and education community in Chicago, we are able to access some of their data. And so I think it's also sometimes confusing for people what we mean even by data in education, but it's everything from test scores, but also daily attendance, data on grades and GPAs. There's a widely used survey. People might know it as the five essentials or the My Voice, My School. I should also say that everything we get is de-identified, so there's no student names attached to it. We're really looking at big picture trends in the data, trying to investigate what's going on, finding places where we might be able to pull out some interesting research findings like the ones that we have to share today about elementary on track.
0: Alex, before we get into the report that we want to talk about, let's talk about the concept of on track generally. The research base behind this goes back maybe a couple of decades. I think it's fair to say that you Chicago's work in Chicago and Johns Hopkins work in Baltimore and Philadelphia were some of the seminal research studies that started to look at all these factors that predicted students' educational trajectory. Sometimes people, as you mentioned, call them early warning indicators on track, maybe may have more of an asset connotation to it. But regardless, before we get into the middle school on track work specifically, just tell us about the research behind on track generally and the framework that you use at UChicago for on track. The consortium
1: here in Chicago, everyone graduate center at the University of uh, at Johns Hopkins, those are, are sort of like the, the originators of, of this concept. And the concept here in Chicago, actually, the freshman on track, which is kind of the original indicator here, began with people who supported middle school students asking the consortium, what happened to our students? What happens to our students after they leave? And uh, the consortium, when they tried to answer this question, they didn't want to wait all the way till students graduated, right? They wanted to give these uh, school support organizations data that was more recent. They started to look and and noticed that uh, what happened during students' freshman year was incredibly predictive of whether or not they would graduate high school. Um, now, since then, there have been there's been a ton more research here at Two and through and at the consortium that's established that it's not just you know for example on track, which is like whether or not essentially students are passing all of their classes, but it's also their GPAs, and their GPAs can be predictive not only of whether or not they're going to graduate high school, but whether they'll enroll in college and whether they will p- persist in college, and. So what what that means is and this is I think the power of early warning indicators is that a student's trajectory isn't written in stone that it is something that can be impacted you know if you are working intentionally as a school community and looking at data and talking about students that whether or not a student graduates from high school is something that is very much under the control of a high school to a great extent. You know, we like to say on track is not determinative. Like you can, something that high schools, and in this case, elementary schools can change. It's something that's malleable. And when schools gather and organize around passing classes, around attendance, around GPA, and around other questions of student experience and student voice and inclusivity, they, they can have an impact on these early warning indicators and on the fundamental experiences of students in schools. And those things then later on in students' uh, trajectories have impacts
0: on outcomes. The two and three project has just released a report, and you talked about this, Alex, about starting in freshman year, the on track measure, and I think we would agree in education, starting as early as possible is probably you know, the a good a good route to to go. So you have a report called Elementary On Track: Elementary School Students' Grades, Attendance, and Future Outcomes which is available now on the two and Through website at toandthrough.uchicago.edu. And just for our, our listeners, when we say elementary school here in Chicago, the elementary schools are by and large K or sometimes pre-K through eighth grade. So we are talking about elementary schools is inclusive of the middle grades. First, say a bit about how this piece came about, who was involved in putting it together, and then walk us through the major findings, if you will.
1: The report came about from many conversations that I think uh, we've had here with Chicago Public Schools around how do we get some of the work that has really taken root here in high schools around, especially once schools are departmentalized and students start to have many different teachers, this work around organizing teachers around student success and using data sort of as the root of, of that organization. And as as we've talked about, there's really robust work here in Chicago around ninth grade. Uh, How do we move some, transfer some of that work to our elementary schools, and in particular the middle grades where schools are oftentimes also departmentalized? The consortium in 2014 put out a report that focused on middle grades. We drew a lot on that work. And uh, several years ago before the pandemic, Chicago Public Schools released their own elementary on track indicator. They did it right before the pandemic though. And so, you know, there still is this need to kind of draw attention to elementary on track and and the power of that. And so we wanted to do exactly that. We wanted to sort of shine a light on elementary on track and and the work that kind of could be. In order to do that, we created what we, you know, we term in, in our paper condensed elementary on track. We do that because we're not using CPS's elementary on track indicator exactly. We wanted something that was really, really simple and straightforward and easy for people to conceptualize and remember. And so our indicator essentially has two lines. There's whether or not students have above a 3.0 GPA and whether or not they have above 90% attendance. And if you, a student has above 90% attendance and above a 3.0 GPA, they are on track in our system if they have less than a 3.0 GPA, but are coming to school 90% of the time or more. We call that group of students academic support students or the academic support category. And then on the flip side, if the students have a 3.0 GPA, but aren't coming to school very frequently, this is a very small group of students. We call those students attendance support students. And the final group are students with less than 3.0 GPA and less than 90% attendance. And we call those, uh, that group of students uh, intensive support students. And so the results are these four different categories. And the idea behind these categories is it allows schools to really target interventions, to target strategies at different groups. And so your intensive support students are students who are going to, because they're not coming to school 90% of the time and they have less than a 3.0 GPA, they may need really intensive interventions. Uh, But then there's this group called academic support, which is a huge, people don't realize how big a group this is. Students who are coming to school a lot, but have less than a 3.0 GPA, they may need changes in classroom instruction. They may need more, they may need a little bit of tutoring in a, a few particular subjects or a change in their schedule or something. Goal of these four categories to help schools sort of understand, okay, where should we be sort of targeting different, different strategies here.
0: That was Alex Usher and Alex Seaskin from the Two and Through Project at the University of Chicago's Urban Education Institute. You can follow the work of Two and Through online at toandthrough.uchicago.edu or on Facebook and Twitter at uchi 2 through. Remember you can look out for part 2 of my conversation with Alex Usher and Alex Siskin next week on The Lessons in Adolescence podcast where we feature conversations with researchers, practitioners, program developers and advocates for young adolescents in the middle school years. Recently, we recapped season 2 of the podcast in two recap episodes which offered highlights from conversations in our last season. Those are available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining The Lessons in Adolescence podcast. A production of Remaking Middle School, an initiative that seeks to transform the learning and development experience for young adolescents in the middle school years. Remaking Middle School brings together good educational practice in school and out of school with the latest developmental science. You can learn about Remaking Middle School or find more resources about the topics of this podcast on the web at remakingmiddleschool.org. The Lessons in Adolescence podcast is produced by Abby Gillespie and me, Jason Cascarino. Editing by Paige Waterhouse. You can listen to or download each episode at the Remaking Middle School website, on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening.